This episode of Disney Countdown is brought to you by Countdown Network. From Christmas to theater to Disney, parenting, and beyond, Countdown Network is your home for the top-ranked countdown podcasts in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and dreamers of all ages, welcome to the Disney Countdown Show. Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. Oh my gosh. Now I'm saying, oh my gosh, ironically at this moment, friends, and this is Danny and welcome to the Disney countdown show featuring me and my good pal, Eric Peterson. And I'm saying, oh my gosh, because, uh, we have been talking for the last 20 minutes, assuming that we are recording our show only to discover that I, the one who is in charge of hitting record on said show did not hit record on said show. Yeah. Uh, and we can say dough because Simpsons is a is a Disney property now through the <laughs> no, 20th century Fox. It, it's just so funny. That's like Homer and Luke Skywalker and Spider-Man and all these people are now in the yeah. Disney family. But yeah, we we had a really great 20 minute conversation. It was that- it was mind mind boggling. It was so deep and and concise and interesting and thoughtful and wise. And I go, gone to the ether. I thought it was one of our more entertaining first 20 minutes of the episode that that we've had um on our show so we're going to attempt right now to recreate that yeah um and eric do you want to do your hello or should we hello everybody (laughs) welcome to the disney countdown show we are here for the very first time yeah it's the first time we're going to say all of these next things um but no yeah, we had a little rehearsal. Um, but no, we're doing good. And this is what did we say? This is episode 14. I think that's episode what we started with. We 14. A little bit of banter about how many episodes we've done so far and how uh uh we're doing pretty good, and there's still so much Disney to talk about, which is exciting. Lots of um, Disney to talk about. Lots of Disney. And you were you were saying how you were worried that when we started that you wouldn't have enough Disney to talk about. It's true. You know, when we were looking at what are we going to do after, you know, season two of Christmas Countdown, Eric and I were talking about, well, what else is magical? What else is Mary? And Disney was that thing. And we're both huge fans. And I just I felt a little bit of imposter syndrome when we were launching the show because I just I didn't know, you know, if I was going to have that much to talk about. But, you know, 14 episodes and probably 20 to 25 hours of content later, uh, I think we have clearly proven or at least I've proven to myself that, you know what? You're not an imposter. You are, in fact... We got stuff to say. And I will say, somebody did come after me the other day on TikTok, like calling me an, a, a Disney adult. And I said, you know what? You're right. Disney adult, Disney dad, Disney all the things. And no they, shame in that. they didn't respond to that comment. So I really showed them. Um, but yeah... It, there, there is plenty to talk about. And wait, wait, yes. Be- because you just said Disney adult, I have to show you something. Hang on one second. I'm going to okay. pull it up here. A fun fact, listeners. Yes. This bit right now was not a part of the, free- it, the it first was 20 minutes. This is new. You are correct. We don't have a memes and things today, but I do have one uh, clip that I'll play for you from TikTok. This is a user named Clayton Ferris forever is his full uh, username on TikTok, and this is uh, this is his part three. So he's done a few of these, but this is every Disney adult, and I'm just gonna play it for you. And I think you'll get a kick out of it. Here we go. The magic begins. The tram is always the first ride. I definitely don't need the map. 
my gosh that is pretty so funny good and he has a bunch of them so it's very funny speaking of you know kids not being allowed in fantasy land i had a sort of a funny interaction not interaction because i don't know if it was directed at me specifically but i was at the parks a couple days ago and we'll chat more about this uh later in the episode but i usually when i go with my family um my family was not there with me that day i, I did a, a quote-unquote work day um where i went to disneyland and shot a bunch of content because apparently that's who i am now uh, as a grown human uh but at the end of the day i was getting ready to walk back to my car because that's what we always do we don't want to deal with breaking down the stroller so we always walk through downtown disney and i was getting ready to do that and i was like why am i doing this to myself it was 7 night there was no line for the for the tram i was getting on the tram yeah so i go to get in line for the tram and right as I'm like getting in line, the, this child just like screaming right behind me. I'm like, I'm a parent. I got two kids. I'm used to kids screaming. But this kid was screaming very loud out of nowhere. And so I looked over my shoulder to the right and the mom looks at me and she goes, that's right. It's Disneyland. Children cry. And I was like, and I, I was like, I looked over my shoulder. I was like, is she talking to me right now? Like, I, and I, then I, I was like, oh, I realized she was by herself with two small children. I was like, oh. She's at that point of the She's day. She's going through it. And I was like, I'm not even going to engage uh, at this point in time because you're you're going through it. Thank you. That, that's wise. But anyway, speaking of you know Disney parks uh, and and there being so much to talk about with Disney, Eric, uh, you and I chatted about this in our first attempt at recording this episode. But I think we should revisit it because I do think it's an interesting conversation that you know Disney and the state of Florida have been in the news a lot lately because of this whole Reedy. Uh, Creek, what is it? Uh, improvement uh, District, Reedy Creek Improvement District, which I know, Eric, you've got a lot of the, the knowledge about this. But, so drop that bomb. on our Yeah. List. So some people may know about this, but if you don't, um, the, the, you know, Cliff's Notes version of the backstory of this is when Walt Disney and the Walt Disney Company started Disney World in Orlando in Central Florida, they started a thing called the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which was essentially their own municipality that would be in in charge of all of Disney property. So they're handling their own trash, their own police, fire, sewage, um, lights, electric, the you know the electrical grid, all of it, so that they could have control over it. Um, and then once uh, this past year, uh, when Governor DeSantis in Florida had the you know what people are calling the "Don't Say Gay" bill. Bob Chapek sort of came out in favor of it and then against it and then sort of was wishy-washy on it. Right. And so DeSantis um, sort of said, well, screw you guys then and said, we're going to take away your ability to have this Reedy Creek, you know, self-governance and we're going to take that away. And I guess they felt like they could do that. And Disney was not happy. Um, but then, Danny, you tell the most recent part of the story, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's wild. And. You know, I, I was at the Disney parks the other day with my buddy, Kenny, who's a huge Disney fan. You know, he, fun fact about him, he's, his name's actually Kenny Rogers Jr. Um, and he's Kenny Rogers' son. And uh, he grew up at the Disney parks because before Kenny Sr. became really big, the gambler that we all know today, 
he was, you know, just a, a lounge musician and he would play, he would get a three week gig every summer at Disneyland on that stage in oh, wow. Tomorrowland. And so he would take Kenny Jr., my friend with him, uh, and he would just go like, just walk around the park. So he's been a huge Disney fan since he was a kid. And we were talking about this whole Reedy Creek thing. And I guess a big reason why Disney did this, you know, when they were building Disney World uh, and Magic Kingdom was that they were having these like inspectors come in to like inspect what they were doing with the rides, but nobody in the world had ever done what Disney was doing at that point. So like these inspectors would come in and they didn't know what they were looking for. And it was just holding up their process. And that's why that the proposal was made where they're like, hey, we'll handle all of this. Uh, we'll take care of all the roads, all this in exchange. Here's what here's what we want. And it was agreed to. But now, you know, there's this huge tension going on. And apparently the attorneys uh, at the Disney Corporation really pulled a fast one, um, which almost feels like exactly what Disney did when they first acquired all the sure. land. Yeah. Where they were. And it's wild that in 2023, this can still happen where they were holding these public meetings uh, where the board was voting on what was going to be happening with Reedy Creek. Uh, and it was published in newspapers. It was all out there for the state government to know. But because it was so under the radar, nobody picked up on it. And in all of these meetings, they passed all these they made motions, passed all these you know plans that basically gave control of certain things to the state of Florida. But those certain things were literally like trash removal and like sewage. That's now like what the state of Florida is in charge of in terms of uh, the Disney property down there. I'm sure it's not the end of it. I'm sure this is, you know, there's going to be some sort of resolution one way or another. But as it pertains to Disney today, you know, Bob Iger has come out and said that he says there's room in Orlando for a fifth park that they've been talking about. But he's also said that there's room in California for a third, which I don't think any of us have any clue where in the world that could possibly exist. But it does feel very much like a power play. Where it's like, well, we could go to Florida, we could go to California, we'll see which state wants to play ball with us, sort of situation. So it'll be, it'll be fun uh, to to sort of watch how this all plays out. Um, I'm sure in the coming months and and coming years, and it's just good old fashioned fun political entertainment, folks. Oh, you know, man. and that's what you know and love of Disney Countdown is politics. We're basically the meet the press of uh, of Disney we podcast. That's what they call us. Yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of exciting things that are happening at Disney, Eric, um, I'm not even going to pretend like you're hearing this song for the first time, but I feel like we we need to share this with our listeners. Yes. When we were recording the first version of this episode, I'm very excited currently about a song that I just discovered, which is the title track for the parade that is currently happening at Disneyland Park in California. And that track is the Yeet Bop Banger magic happens i want to play it for all the people right now eric will you will you indulge me yes all right
I mean, that's really good. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> you know what's so funny though, Danny, is that if you if you you're telling me this is a brand new uh, song for a new parade, and I completely believe that. But if you had also told me that this was from 1992 and you just found it in a deep cut on YouTube, I believe that as well, because it's got such a retro early 90s vibe, which is awesome. I love it. Yeah. And it was written by Todrick Hall, who oh, yeah. I think first like got his like initial break. I think he was on American Idol. He was a contestant on American Idol, but he's he's a big YouTube star and he does. He's and now he has so many like creative projects because a lot of corporate entities are sort of like bringing him in because he has a very inclusive message. He's got, he writes great music. He's kind of an all in one shop because he'll choreograph direct, like, you know, stylistically figure out how it's going to look um, and produce all kinds of different like music videos for stuff. So th that makes sense that he would be uh, a part of this. Yeah. He was on the, the ninth season uh, of American Idol. And like you said, he's gone on to do so much. He's been on Broadway. He was Lola and kinky boots in, 2016 to 2017 and then he made appearances as billy flynn uh in chicago and then obviously everything that he does uh on youtube uh, as well it really feels like a like a 360 talent singer dancer actor producer right, right, ma yeah. magician you know whatever um he does it all but if you have not seen that parade yet folks um if you're in southern california and you've got a trip to disneyland planned do yourself a favor check it out the floats are so cool um the dancing is amazing you know, as I get older, I don't know if you find yourself doing this, Eric, but I feel like I watch shows at Disney differently than I did as a kid. Like now I really have gained a huge appreciation for everything that has to happen for these shows to work. Like the parades, like to the, the sound love, is yeah, incredible. I was just going to say, I love <laughs> the sound of a parade, how they are able to sync it up that essentially each, you know, quadrant of you know, a hundred yards or whatever gets to hear every song and gets to see each float do its little mini performance or show or dance or whatever. And they somehow keep it moving, but it never, the music never stops. I, it's very cool how they figure that out. Yeah. I, I was trying to think about how, like, is there software that they write for that sort of thing? Because like for us, I was watching the parade, uh, on the part of main street, like the hub where the Mickey statue is currently by the flagpole and everything. So I could see, you know, them all coming down main street with a castle in the background. Yeah. And they're like a hundred yards away from me dancing, putting on a show, but the start of the track for the parade started swelling up for our section. Yep. So the way that the music is timed. So that way, when that group gets up to me, they're hitting that part of the dance that I've been watching them do. All, do, you it's know what, just, it's do you know what it reminds me a little bit of those mm -hmm. people that are really good TikTok creators who will start their video with like this, uh, like they'll say like, that's how you make a paper airplane. And then they'll do their video. And by the end of the video, they'll be like, you fold it here, then you fold it here and then you launch it. And that's how you make a perfect airplane, you yes. know? So it like, it just is like perfectly in a loop and it has no beginning or ending. And that's kind of like how the parades work at Disney. Dude, you, I've been trying to figure out how to do that on TikTok uh, for years. And uh, <laughs> it's hard to do. Alert, I have to really think out. about it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you are one of those people and you want to help us figure out how to make really cool loops, uh, please reach out to us on our social media. We are at Disney 
Countdown Show on Instagram and TikTok. We are at Pod Disney on Twitter, and we're also on Facebook. And if you really, really love us and you want to be in the Disney Countdown crew, you can join our Patreon. Link for that is in the episode notes. You can also subscribe on Apple for bonus episodes uh, that we make only for subscribers and Patreon supporters. You get to hear bonus countdowns. And if you join the Patreon, you also get to be a part of a private group on Facebook where there's tons of other Disney fans like you hanging out, chatting, spreading all the magic that ever was. Uh, and speaking of magic, uh, this weekend, Eric, now two days from when we're recording this, is Dapper Day. Mm. at disneyland um have you been I, before to dapper days we my wife and i went once but it was such like a i felt like it was like a last minute thing or maybe i was too busy and i just didn't invest the time in sure. like a, an outfit so i like threw on a vest and some jeans and a dress shirt and like i look back at the pictures i was like wow that was <laughs> that was like a d minus um disney minus uh but this year we've like fully prepared with nice. wardrobe matching dresses for the girls. Lynn has like a polka dot classic dress with like that frilly, I don't know what it's called, the poof thing that you yeah, wear yeah. underneath that makes the dress stand out. And you'll appreciate this, Eric. Uh, for a slip, I think they call it. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I ordered something very specific for my outfit that I feel like is very on brand for you. And that's a straw boater hat. Mm, I do. I have a couple of those. <laughs> I bet yours are nicer than mine. Uh, I have one that's like a cheapo one, and I have one that was like a $90 boater hat. I really want one like that really firm straw like the Dapper Dan's. Yeah, that's what have. I have. I want one of those. My dad, uh, you know, who's a Dapper Dan, he has like a bunch of those from all the quartets he's been in, but his hat his hat size like is like an eight and a half. So like it would literally be like Way over my big. eyes yeah. if I, <laughs> I'd look like a child trying to wear his parents' hat. I have to show you. I went, we went to Dapper Days. Let's see, this says it was 2019. So I guess it was. It was like right before the pandemic. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm wearing a boater hat, a bow tie, uh, a brown plaid tweed suit with a uh, uh, wing, <laughs> brown and off and cream uh, wingtip shoes, Ooh. a cool vest. My son is wearing like a newsboy hat and a little um, red suit, like a vest and pants, and he has a cane. Yes. <laughs> my my daughter is wearing a like blue polka dot. Uh, she we bought it because she did a project at school where she was uh, Lucille Ball, and so it worked oh, perfectly wow. for for Dapper Day. And then my wife is wearing a really cool dress, like a flowery dress with a parasol from this place called Trashy Diva in New Orleans. But I'll show you the video of it here. Oh my gosh, I I remember when you posted this on Facebook. Yeah. Dude. So we took like a slow motion video of the four of us like walking down Main Street and oh it looks my gosh. pretty great. You look so great. Uh, I oh. don't think I'm going to look that great. I got to be honest. <laughs> um, I, I've been struggling. It's amazing. Like it's not easy to put together a classic outfit by like just going to Macy's. No. No, you got to you got to do some planning. You got to know the places. Here's the thing. If I'll give a little a quick tutorial, because if those of you who don't know, I'm a, a big fashion guy. Um, uh, I love clothes. I have way too many clothes. I have a problem <laughs> with shopping. Um, but that all to be said, let me point you in a direction, at least uh, for the men. What you want to do is you want to try to find um at the very if you can't find a suit that has kind of like a plaid or a seersucker vibe to it those would be a good place to start um at least get like either a three-piece suit um and you could leave the jacket at home if it's too hot um get a shirt that has a starched collar the best you can get for like a thick kind of um pointy starchy kind of collar get a bow tie 
Um, get a boater hat if you can. If you can't find a boater hat, it's pretty easy to find like a newsboy hat like I'm wearing right now. Um, and then wingtip shoes. If you can get two-tone wingtip shoes, that will really help. And you can get those on Amazon for pretty cheap, actually. They're not necessarily the greatest quality of shoes, but they'll look very flashy and showy because you know get like black and white or blue and white or brown and yellow there's so many different combinations but wingtip uh two-tone shoes is a big help um but yeah and then for women you know any kind of like very kind of uh dress that's going to have a pinch at the waist and then go out um yeah it's such a fun time when we went there was i I bet it was probably about 30 percent of the park were dressed up which was really cool because you'd find these little pockets where it really did feel like whoa i've time traveled to a different time and it's not everybody in like big baggy shorts and oversized t-shirts it's pretty (laughs) it's pretty exciting yeah i'm i'm so excited about it and i was uh on instagram last night and of course as one would expect uh with the bill bill burns is that his name the cosplay guy uh yeah, yeah, who does yeah, walt yeah, disney looks like disney yeah yeah he had like a something on his instagram story or something where he's like preparing for you know this weekend and he's like brushing off his like walt his disney pin that he's gonna wear so hopefully i'll run into him if i do i'll make sure to yeah to get a picture do. and put it up on on our socials but actually now eric i am looking <laughs> i'm looking at seersucker suits on uh on amazon as we speak um because i didn't you even can, you can find those at uh yeah, you could find those on uh, definitely on Amazon, but you could even find a seersucker now that there's some of the summer stuff is out. You could find that at a good Macy's. Yeah, I just I got so stressed out, like walking around. I was like, do I want blue? Do I want red? Do you know, do I want to spend five hundred dollars on this suit that I'm going to wear once? Like I'm looking at these suits on Amazon right now, and it's like a full three piece suit with a vest for one hundred and sixteen dollars. Like that just I mean, it'll probably fall apart uh, while I'm there at the park. But anyway. Um, I might, I might do it. I might not. I might just roll with the, you know, cool sort of slacks with suspenders and bow tie. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. That works like a page boy hat or something like that. Get, um, you know, you should order though, order a cane. You think so? Or like a, a cheap, like $20 cane. And even just walking with a little cane down the street is that gives a, it's a nice touch. Very nice touch. Well, if I go with the newsy hat, I feel like maybe I should do like a rolled up newspaper or something like that. <laughs> or like the, you know, the bag that they wear over their shoulder. <laughs> And I'm just going to walk down Main Street screaming, X-Tray, X-Tray. <laughs> Read all about it. Bob, Dapper uh, Days is here again. Anyway, really excited for Dapper Day. Uh, and if you're a person who went, you know, reach out to us. Send us your photos of Dapper Day. We'd love to uh, love to share those out on our social media. And I, I think it's coming up for Disney World as well. I think theirs is, I don't know if it's this weekend or next weekend. But wherever you're going, if you're going, send us your photos. We'd love to check them out. Um, and this feels like a good time to sort of transition into, oh, I forgot. Yes. We have a listener review. Ooh, read it. Let's do it. It's time to read some reviews. Write one and we'll read yours too. Um, <laughs> this one comes to us from a loyal fan who I know left us a review on Christmas Countdown. I think back in season one, because I remember when their name popped up, you and I tried to uh, pronounce it. Um, and I'll just I'll just say it and you tell me if this sounds familiar. Like a lot of G's and H's and Y's and S's. G-Y-H-G-H-H-H. But this person left this review and the title of the review is Hi! Hi! (laughs) With an exclamation point. And they left us five magical stars. And here's what they had to say. They said, hey guys, my name is Jude. Now we know their name. There you go. Uh, Otherwise known as Gehergernifer. Uh, (laughs) 
and I've been listening from the start. And I was wondering if y'all could shout me out. My birthday is on Wednesday, and it would hey, mean Jude, Dude. happy birthday. <laughs> Listen to Keep our podcast, sorry. and you'll feel better. That's weird. That's good. Thank you. My birthday is on Wednesday, and it would mean the world to me if y'all shouted me out. But enough about me. Uh, so yes, huge shout out to you, Jude. We'll sing you happy birthday in just a moment here. Um, uh, Jude goes on to say, you guys are amazing, all in caps, from the Christmas uh, to the parenting to the Disney. My favorite thing to do when I don't have anything to do or I just want a good laugh. Keep up the pods. Oh, and hey, did you notice the five golden stars? Oh, yeah. That's great. Should we, should we all collectively, everyone who's listening right now, should we sing happy birthday to Jude? Yes. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jude. Happy birthday to you. I was going to go harmonies, too. <laughs> It's happy like, birthday, Jude. Thank you so much birthday. for listening. We love you. Thank you so much for your support. Oh, Jude, you're awesome. And if you want to have us sing happy birthday to you as well uh, in Mediocre Harmonies, please leave us a review on Apple. You can rate us anywhere you're listening, Spotify, Apple. Rate and review. We love to read those reviews on the show, and it also helps more people discover uh, the magic that we are spreading here. And this feels like a very good time now to get to our Disney news we interrupt our program to bring you this Disney news. Reporting live from outside the turnstiles. It's, uh, why am I outside? Why can't I get inside the turnstiles? You can't pay. You can't pay. The news budget does not have it in the budget for tickets. You have to report on the outside. The press credentials get me to the Esplanade and no right. further. Can we talk to our producer, Chris? Can we? Can I, Chris, I'm out Up here outside budget. the turnstiles again. Can I get inside the turnstiles? Uh, anyway, enough of this uh, tomfoolery. Um, the biggest piece of Disney news, I believe that I know everyone is just uh, you know buzzing about right now. We knew this was coming and we yes. assumed that it was going to be coming sooner than later when the news broke that, oh, Splash Mountain might be closing in early May. Well, they have officially announced the closing date for Splash Mountain, and that is going to be May 31st. So if you want to get out and ride that ride one more time. Interestingly, uh, I did see that as well, that it said May 31st. But I saw another thing that said, so if you want to ride it, you have to ride it by the 30th. Yes. So I wonder what that means. I think that means that if it, it's going to be like on the 31st is going to be the last day. So it's only going to be like Disney employees or something, or I, I'm not sure. Well, I know that I made a reservation for the 30th. So I am all set. Wise. Did you make a resi? No, not yet. Did you make a resi? We could actually go together. Maybe we'll see. Oh my gosh. What is it going to take? Right after golf. What's it going to take for us to hang out? Jeez Louise. I mean, this whole, I'm going to be back in, in the same state as you. That would, that would help. I believe in you. Uh, but yes, <laughs> Splash Mountain is going to be closing for its retheming on May 31st. Uh, I'm really excited for Tiana's Bayou Adventure. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, I've seen on social media some like photos people have been taking of like the work that's being done down in Orlando right now. Like they already, I think, yeah. cut off like that tree or the top part of the tree at the top of the final drop. 
you know, that you come out of that's like shaped like uh, Br'er Rabbit's face. Yeah. Um, so that's already been demoed down in Orlando. So I'm excited. They've been uh, slowly releasing some like concept art of what you can expect from the inside of the ride. Um, personally, I think, and I'm sure we'll get to this in a countdown of the future, but I think that um, Princess and the Frog is one of the best soundtracks in in a Disney movie. So you gotta dig a little deeper. Oh my gosh, it's gonna be Find out what you know. It'll be epic. Uh, I'm yeah. almost there. So good. Oh, and I'm excited for the story. I want to know what the story yeah. is. Of like, why do we end up going up this big hill? And where, you know, where is this log <laughs> right. flume yeah. taking us? I think it's going to be yeah. blast. And so that'll be opening uh, in 2024. They haven't announced like an exact date. Um, but the good news is they're not having to build a whole new ride. They're just, you know, re-theming. And, re-theming, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be. I, I My guess would be by summer of next year. Or maybe by Mardi Gras. Like that feels like maybe great timing. It's like so apropos. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's big news. Uh, also, Disney announced, you know, they've been doing these after hours events. Uh, they did the Star Wars one, uh, the Princess Night. They did the uh, Sweethearts Night that I went to with my wife. And they announced that they're, I believe this is the first time ever they're doing Pride Night at Disneyland here in Southern California. So June 13th and 15th. It's great. Yeah. I love it. You know, Eric and I believe uh, very much in inclusivity and, um, you know, everyone, there's magic for everybody out there. Uh, and yep. I love that that Disney is is leaning into that and, you know, provides a, a safe space for for people to go and be their most authentic selves. So, you know, great job, Disney, on that. Uh, and then the last piece of Disney news, which I just saw the other day, uh, coming in 2024, 2024 is going to be a big year. Um, we have uh, some new destinations are being added to Star Tours. Oh, so, yeah, I saw this going to be some new adventures happening for us wait did you uh, say nude adventures no are there going to be nude adventures oh in the new gosh. star tours Eric, we do not well, have the i did explicit, not read that article <laughs> we do not have the explicit e next to our show um you are the only e here uh no the new N-E-W, not K-N-E-W. New uh, adventures are coming to Star Tours. Now, I think they're doing it at Disneyland. Disneyland Paris and Walt Disney World are all getting new adventures. Um, And I think they're going to involve the Ray storylines, which is awesome. Yeah, they said there's a new DJ R3X playlist coming uh, for the Star Wars celebration in Europe. Uh, lots of, lots of exciting things. And if you want more information about that, you can always go check out the Disney parks blog. Um, you know, good place to follow is just Disney parks on, on Instagram. And then they've got the link in bio, which will get you to all the stuff that's, uh, that's happening at, at the Disney park. So tons of, tons of good stuff, tons of magic. Uh, do we have memes and things or should we, should we move on? We have a guest today. Don't we have a guest? Yes, we have a guest. I didn't know we we should roll the guest clip. Yes, this is thrilling. Um, Speaking of magic, uh, the other day, uh, I got to chat with one of our new friends, Disney content creator, the magical millennial, uh, who's awesome. We've been following her for a while on social media. Uh, really, really entertaining content that that she puts out. Uh, we got connected to her through Beastly Appetite, our buddy Eric Lopez. So huge shout out to Eric for making that introduction. We appreciate you. It's it's just really fun, Eric, that we get to you know chat with Dapper Danielle and Beastly Appetite and all these people who are out there, you know, capturing really, really fun content and sharing it with people. And so excited to share this conversation that I got to have with Magical Millennial, learning more about her love for Disney. Um, And then she shared uh, her top five cues. And we did a little game of uh, Disney Pixar movie bracket. So a lot of fun stuff coming up. So let's uh, let's take a little listen to that conversation. 
Oh my gosh, friends, what a thrilling moment this is. A magical moment, some might say. We have the incredible Disney content creator, the magical millennial, is joining us on Disney Countdown. Magical millennial. Is that what you want me to call you? Should I call you by your real name? I, I don't know. Tell me. Guide me. That's No, that's totally fine. I I can go by magical millennial. It's it's very it's all M related. My, my real name is Megan. So, you know, either way, that's either one's fine. <laughs> I might just call you like... M like M squared or something like that. We'll, we'll come up with some nickname here. Yeah, there you go. I love nicknames. Uh, well, I'm so grateful that, that you're joining us here on Disney Countdown uh, from your car, no less. Like you're on, you're here. She's not driving, folks. Don't worry. She has pulled over to the side of the road. Uh, and we're going to chat all things Disney here today. So first question for you is like, did you grow up a Disney fan? Like has Disney always been a part of your life? It really has. We've been doing family vacations there ever since I can remember. And even when I lived in Northern California, we'd drive down to SoCal, do Disney for a number of days. And then we became annual pass holders when we moved down here in 2002. And we've, we've been annual pass holders, me and my family, ever since. Amazing. Um, I was, I'm still on the fence as to whether or not I prefer annual pass holder over magic key holder. What, what are your feelings about that? I am kind of on the fence as well. And even as I said that, I was like, wait, no, it's called Magic Key now, not Annual. <laughs> <laughs> annual Pass just rolled off the tongue a lot better. It was that way for, for decades. So Magic Key is taking a while to to sink in and for me to be able to say that that is our Annual Pass. So uh, I can, I go both ways. You can, yeah, I think you can call it whatever you want. We'll but, call it um, a magical Annual Pass that we hold and it kind of is a key. It kind of, yeah, exactly. It's the key to the park, I guess. There you go. <laughs> so. Um, so you grew up always, always a Disney fan. Like, do you have like a favorite, like Disney memory from childhood? That's like one of those like pixie dust moments that you've held dear to your heart. I not, one doesn't really stand out in my mind. I just remember, and actually this has to do with Toontown. When we would come down from Northern California on our uh, family vacations, we would stay at the Hilton Suites, which is now the Embassy Suites right off the five freeway. And right. Uh, every single time we would go and every morning we would do magic morning. And the first thing we did was Toontown because one of our favorite rides as kids was Gadget's Go Coaster. Oh, so good. And when, when I know it's so cute. And so when, and when you get there in the morning, there is no, not a soul there. So we had it, we felt like we had it all to ourselves. Gadgets did not have a line for at least like 20 to 30 minutes. So we just ride that over and over again. And uh, that was probably one of the best memories as, as a little kid. And then I have a few from like high school on um, like high school trips that were really memorable, but yeah, early, early morning Toontown was kind of the best as a kid. What are your feelings about the newly reopened Toontown? Cause I was just there last about a week and a half ago with my kids and I have feelings, I have feelings and I'm curious, what are your thoughts <laughs> about the new Toontown? I've heard, I've, yeah, I've heard such feelings. I believe I think <laughs> I know uh, what you're talking about. You know, I, I, it's interesting the choices that they made with the space they had. Mm. I I like the fountains that they had over by Gadgets, over by, I think they had one over by Rogers as well, yeah. Cartoon Spin. And so it was interesting just kind of flattening those and then putting in the lawn. Um, uh, I, I, again, I, I know that they don't have much shade over there. I appreciate right. they put in the shade structures towards the back. Um, they got rid of Chippendales, which kind of makes sense to me. That was just a kind of a treehouse in the back there that was really really like congested right um i think everything looks great in terms of the houses goofy's uh, house looks great so cool and 
um, yeah, I haven't been on Cartoon Spin yet since it opened, so I still have to do that ride. But um, I think obviously Runaway Railway is quite perfect for that that land, that part of the park. Oh my gosh, yeah. So that that addition just really, it, it's just perfect. So you know, I I understand where the feelings <laughs> come from. <laughs> it's not as like um, it's the traffic it, flow. It's the traffic flow for me. Uh, yeah. Because the fountains used to sort of serve it as is. this barrier where, like, you're like, I can't just walk wherever I want. Like, I got to go around. And it felt like there was, like, the road that you clearly went this way and you ran around the fountain and then you went back around. And now, and I think we'll get used to it. I think it's just that when you open up a new space to so many people, like, I'm sure you've experienced this being in Toontown since it reopened, is that I cannot tell you a time that I've seen that many people in Toontown ever. No. It's madness. No. I was it is madness. I was just there last night and I was like, dang, I've never seen it this crowded. And I, cause when you open up spaces, people will fill the space. And I yes. know that some of was meant, some of that was meant for stroller parking, which I understand, but, uh, it, it's like, it's really packed in there right now. And again, that might change. It just opened or just reopened. So, yeah. um, yeah, but it is, it's crowded. I will say, I love that you can actually do stuff in Goofy's house now, which is cool. Um, it's uh, sort of just used to be this space you walked into and you're like okay um but now they got the, all the balls like flying around which is really really cool and if you got kids like i do they really love it and i think those slides are, are super fun as well those roller slides coming down the hill are a blast uh the day i was there goofy attempted to climb down that hill um in the rain and did not make it down <laughs> on his feet actually um oh, no. yeah it was like such a classic moment and I, I was videoing it and I was like I can't post this online like that's just I love Disney and let's, let's just protect Goofy in this moment um, yeah so obviously you had these great moments as a kid why do you love Disney so much what is it about Disney that just captures your heart I it's it's tough to put it into words because it's more of a feeling yeah. it's just the emotions that I feel when I'm there it's the you know it is an escape from the real world and the sadness and craziness of the real world. Um, it's, uh, and it's, it's brought me to a lot of great people. I've met a lot of awesome friends through, through Disney and through this community. So over the years, I think my reason for going has changed as a kid, you know, it's Disney. It's literally the best place on earth for a kid. Right. Uh, in high school, I had friends that worked there, so we would take high school trips and just go on all the all the big kid rides and have a blast. And then as an adult, it really is just about, you know, it, it's about the feeling. It's my place to go when I'm not having a good day or when I am having a good day. And I can kind of just make some more memories, little memories here and there totally. with uh, the awesome friends that I've, I've made. So. It, it's incredible. And I love just watching what you and people like, you know, Beastly Appetite and Dapper Danielle, like all this just very happy content that you guys are putting out into the world. I just think you know, Eric and I talk so much about this on the show that there's just so much cynicism in the world and you go on social media and it's just like, I'm angry about this or this bad thing happened or whatever it might be. And to come across pages like yours that are just full of joy and happiness. And you think about all the hundreds of millions of people around the world who may never get to go to Disneyland in their life and that you guys bring this experience to them. And I feel like you capture the essence of it um, so well. And so really, this is just a big thank you is, is where I'm going with this. Um, what, thank you. What is it like being a Disney content creator? Like, how did this happen for you? This happened just at random, really. I downloaded TikTok during pandemic, like we all, all did, and during quarantine. 
and I started to make videos myself because I was like, this looks fun. I think I can do this. So I made a few videos here and there uh, in quarantine and then decided to go to Disney World because Disneyland was closed for over a year. Right. And I had to go, I had a video kind of take off there. I did a little funny lip sync video that uh, I started to get a lot of likes on, a lot of views, a fair amount of followers. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Like, I didn't know this could this could happen. Um, so I kept making those styles of videos where it was just like a funny audio connected to Disney somehow. And then it kept growing from there. I, people liked to watch what I was making and I, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of good at the lip sync thing. Let me keep this going. Um, so that was, that's how it all started. And I, I think I, I keep changing it up here and there with my content, but I try to stay true to who I am and what I love to do. So, um, yeah that's that's how it all got started well i think it connects with people clearly because i don't i don't think audiences continue to grow for content creators unless people feel like the essence of who you are is coming through what you're doing and it feels very genuine and, and very honest and and joyful and i think that's what people are looking for um i want to jump forward to a little game that we have prepared for you here today eric and i like to do bracket challenges you know we're right in the middle of march madness right now with the ncaa tournament so i wanted to challenge you to a bracket challenge disney pixar edition do you accept this magical challenge i do i accept all right here we go so this you're gonna some babies are gonna have to cry during this one because you're gonna have to there's some movies in here you're not gonna want to get rid of but you're gonna have to and that's just the way the game oh, goes oh okay so, okay so get ready here <laughs> all right so first up we have Lion King versus Tarzan <gasps> oh I'm gonna be so controversial in this um I so I'm getting rid of one you have to yes yeah, so you're selecting one so just select one each round and then those will I'll go select- head to head as we get further on along. I'm selecting Tarzan. Tarzan. <laughs> Hot take out of the gate. I know. I know. Well, I was so, I was conditioned because, so my mom was uh, pregnant with my brother when I was growing up watching The Lion King over and over and over again. So she had really, really bad morning sickness oh. during, the, during the film when I was, again, soundtrack movie constantly on. And so over the years, she always would tell me that she gets sick when she hears that music. Really? So I never... I was like, oh, like Lion King music is like bad. It causes like nausea or something. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> so amazing. Lion King. I loved it as a kid. Lion King causes nausea. Tarzan just causes all the tears. I think that's that's how that all works. All the tears. All the tears. Like you'll and be in my true. heart. Forget about it. I'm done. Oh my God. Yeah. Every time. Okay. That's, we are just in the first round. Here we go. Uh, next up, okay. it's Princess and the Frog versus Lilo and Stitch. Oh my God. These are really tough. <laughs> Uh, uh, Princess and the Frog. Okay, Princess. All right. Next up, we have uh, Tangled versus Big Hero Six. Ah! <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, oh no! It's my. Oh my god! One of my favorite movies versus my favorite character. Uh, Tangled. <laughs> Tangled. Okay. Next up, we have got Frozen versus Moana. Moana. So good. I that movie just continues to grow on me. I love it so so much. Love Moana. Oh my god, yeah. All right. Aladdin versus Hercules. Hercules. That's a hands down for me. Zero to hero. I mean, come on. Lilius yeah. White. You've got all the Broadway stars in there. It's just such a great film. Oh great, yeah. And now it's going to Germany. They've they've got it's out of town, like a paper mill playhouse, and they're taking the musical out to Germany, which is really, really exciting. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Anyway, we'll we'll talk more about that on Musical Theater Countdown when we have you on there. Um, <laughs> next up is Little Mermaid versus Pocahontas. 
Uh, Pocahontas. All right. Next up, we have Mulan versus Zootopia. Mulan. Wow, that was fast. That is one of my favorite all-time Disney movies. Would you believe I just watched it for like the first time three weeks ago? Really? Mulan? I don't know why. It was just one of those movies that just kept slipping through the cracks for me. And we were doing a top 10 heroes countdown. I was like, well, I've got to watch Mulan, right? And it immediately, like Mulan became my number one Disney hero of all time. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. And that movie is just, it's so good. I think I dressed up as Mulan to go watch it in theaters in 1997. Wow. So, yeah. Or whatever, I think it's 97 or 98. And I, yeah. Somewhere so I was obsessed, there. obsessed with Mulan. If I had done yeah. that, I was like 16 at the time. I feel like they would have kicked me out. Um, <laughs> but who knows? Uh, <laughs> all right, moving right along. Next up, we've got Beauty and the Beast versus The Nightmare Before Christmas. Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. I had a feeling that's yeah. where you're going to go with that. All right. Next up, we have Up versus Brave. Up. I do I do like Brave. I think it gets a lot of hate, but I, I like Brave. The music but in Brave. I, I it's the music for me in Brave. Like I love like Scottish Highland music and it's all throughout the film. I do too. It's magical. I love it. It really is. Okay. This one, this is a hard one. I do not envy you in this moment. Toy Story versus Toy Story 2. Oh, uh, Toy Story 2. Really? Love Jesse, love Bullseye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. My my youngest has fallen in love with Jesse. And so like now I feel like Toy Story 2 has to be my favorite. Uh, cool. All right, Coco or Cars Two? <laughs> Coco. Coco, so that was another one I just watched for the first time recently. I totally thought the kids the kid's name was Coco until I watched the movie. Yeah. And then I found yeah. out it's not. Um, <laughs> all right, Toy Story Three versus The Good Dinosaur. Uh, Toy Story Three. That one made me cry. Oh my gosh! All the Toy Stories make me cry, especially Toy Story Three. Like when Andy says goodbye at the end of the film, like forget about it. I'm done. And there was like. Going off to it was like the perfect timing too. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just rips your heart out. Um, all right. Next up we have Ratatouille or a Bug's Life. Ratatouille. My favorite Pixar movie. So good. I feel like that's a hidden gem. It really is. It's underrated. Next up, Finding Nemo versus Inside Out. Oh. Uh Finding Nemo. I just love that movie. With you on that one. Monsters, Inc. or Cars? Monsters, Inc. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right, last one of this round. Incredibles versus Wally. Incredibles. Wally's so good, but I got to go Incredibles. I feel you. All right, here we go. Moving on to the round of 16. First matchup, Tarzan versus Princess and the Frog. Tarzan. Yeah, had a feeling you were going there. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tangled versus Moana. Ah! Ah! <laughs> uh. uh. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I told you these are not they're fun, but they're also so not fun. Um Moana. Hot take. Oh my god. I know. It's painful. We'll keep it moving then. Uh Hercules versus Pocahontas. Hercules. Next up, Mulan versus Beauty and the Beast. Oh no. Oh yeah. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. I'm going with the classic this time. Beauty and the Beast? Mm-hmm. Final answer. All right. I'm typing it on my screen. It's official now. All right. Next up, we have Up versus Toy Story 2. Up. That opening montage. Forget about it. Um, yeah. Rip. It, rip your heart out. Coco versus Toy Story 3. Uh, Coco. Coco's a, a better film, I think. 
Yeah, agreed. Ratatouille versus Finding Nemo. Ratatouille. <laughs> Remy for the win. Monsters, Inc. versus Incredibles. Ew. Ew. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Weren't those re- released right after each other? I feel like those are really close. Yeah, they definitely dates. were. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh, Incredibles. Incredibles. All right. Okay, here we go. We are down to the Elite Eight. Tarzan versus Moana. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm going, I have to go now with my nostalgia. Tarzan. Tarzan. Okay. Next up, we have Hercules versus Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Up versus Coco. Oh, saddest Pixar movies. Uh, <laughs> uh, Coco. Coco. All right. Ratatouille versus Incredibles. Ratatouille. I, I, that sounds like it should be tough, but I just I go with Ratatouille every time. <laughs> hey, you love what you love. Your Ew. your life, your list, as we say here at the Countdown Network. Um, all right, we're down to the final four. First matchup is Tarzan versus Beauty and the Beast. Tarzan. Okay. Coco versus Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Oh my gosh! All right, the final <laughs> matchup. Here we go, Magical Millennial. Tarzan or Ratatouille? Ratatouille. Remy, would you believe? So we just had, uh, did you see the Ratatouille musical that they did on TikTok? Uh, No. So this like blew up in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, Somebody had like made up this song about Remy the Ratatouille and it like went on TikTok and all of a sudden it started blowing up and then they did... Uh, a movie musical version of it and Kevin Chamberlain who was on the show Jesse on Disney Channel and Tony nominated actor and a bunch of other people did a Ratatouille musical and Kevin was on our show about a month ago and Ratatouille you know he selected Ratatouille as well in a bracket challenge we did with him oh my gosh that is awesome (laughs) so you and you and Kevin are our kindred spirits Yes, Kevin. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for playing the Disney Pixar thank Bracket you. Challenge. All right. Before we let you go here, Megan, because I know you got places to be and things to do and magic to make. Um, this countdown that we are doing this episode is our we're finishing off our top 10 favorite cues where you wait in line at the Disney parks. So we want to go five through one. If you will share with us your top five favorite cues at the Disney park, starting with number five, working your way up to one. Awesome. All right. Number five. And it pains me to say because it scares me. Uh, and it, there's a little <laughs> bit of shock in it. It's Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye at so Disneyland, good. California. Yes. I'm they so I did, they just did a great job. It, and it was made, you know, a while ago and everything. But they did a great job with the moving walls and the, you know, the bat sounds and everything. I think it's I think it's a good one. It's brilliant. It's definitely I don't want to spoil anything for our listeners, but it is on my list as well. Uh, all right, so that's number five, Indiana Jones at Disneyland. What's your number four? I really enjoyed uh, Phantom Manor at Disneyland Paris. Ooh. Add that in there. Wow. I've never been. My wife and I went to Paris on our honeymoon, and it was Versailles or Disney, and it was like we ended up going to Versailles. You know, Versailles, I hear, is absolutely amazing, so I understand. Well, we could swap stories. I'll tell you about Versailles. You tell me about Disney Paris, and then we'll be we'll be good to go. Definitely. Happy to do that. <laughs> All right. So, Indy, number five. Phantom Manor, number four. What's at number three? Number three, I'm going to have to go with... Oh, gosh. I'm getting my list mixed up in my head. I had it. Uh, I think I put Cosmic Rewind in at number Ooh, three. I have not been on it yet. It is my favorite ride of Walt Disney World. 
Really? It's that good. It's fantastic. Yes. They did a great job with that queue, with that ride. Everything is just made really well. Yeah. Amazing. I got to get out there. They were still finishing it last time I was there. And I was like, oh, I guess I have to plan another trip. That's the thing. Like, you're just like, all right, new ride. Got to go. It's just a rule. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I highly recommend it because that, that ride's great. Amazing. All right. Number two. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in Toontown, Disneyland. Oh, is it that? Is it is it that good? Because I haven't been in there yet. I've only it's done the one in Hollywood Studios. I think that- the movie posters, the nostalgia, everything that they, the interactive stuff they put in there. It's so well thought out. And I really appreciate it because there are movies from my childhood that like are pure nostalgia. And I'm so glad that they like have little odes to those movies in there. So that's up up there for me. Yeah. Yeah, I saw like a, somebody had posted a video or something on social media. I saw some of those posters. One of them was like the Mighty Ducks uh, one. And I was like, oh my gosh, because we just did uh, our top 10 live action movies and Mighty Ducks was like top five for me, for sure. So good. Yes. Mighty Ducks. They have high school goofical in there, which is great. (laughs) That's brilliant. See, I wish I could be on that. Like, I feel like that had to be all dads coming up with those poster names because all of them seem like dad jokes. So punny, yes, and so dad joke worthy, yes. Oh yeah, all the pun bombs were dropped in there. Um, all right, we are down to your number one favorite cue at the Disney parks. What is it? And I want to spe- specify this is strictly on the inside portion of the queue, but it's got to be a flight of passage at Animal Kingdom. Yes, it's there's, incredible. There's a live avatar in the queue. Like it's it's amazing to me that they put that in the queue. So. The whole thing, like I, I would include the outside portion as well, just because like, especially when you go at night and like the ground is all glowing and everything, it's just, I, it, it has me wondering what in the world is the Pandora experience going to be at Disneyland? Like, are they going to go I, that big? I have my doubts about that. I hope it's something good and really cool because we have zero avatar anything over here. So it'd be, it'd be nice to see. Do you have any sense where they're going to put it? Because I'm just like, I walk around the parks and I go, can't go there, can't go there. Um, Like I thought maybe the island, like Tom Sawyer's island, but then it would be totally visible to everybody. And that feels like it defeats the purpose. It would kind of, yes, because Pandora is a little bit hidden. I'd say it would kind of fit maybe in Tomorrowland-ish, maybe inside the launch bay area. I don't know they're planning for this but um i think tomorrowland would be the only spot because launch bay is just sitting there collecting dust right now so maybe that's the area they're gonna choose i mean much of tomorrowland is there it's like i saw you did a a tiktok about this recently where you were talking about how like tomorrowland's like hey over here uh sort of situation it's like come on we've got the tracks for people mover which don't work the rockets have been moved the the -hmm. launch bay is nothing they've got the old tracks where people mover used to go around the back and they had the tron experience and all that there's just all this unused property that feels like mm-hmm. the best place for it i think yeah and i think it would be the best place who knows if they're gonna do that but yeah we'll see tomorrowland is is definitely uh it's the achilles heel <laughs> a little bit for i know for well, we should start a movement we'll start some sort of hashtag and we'll get everybody on it and then and then we'll get our pandora in tomorrowland but Anyway, Megan, this has been an absolute joy. I want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us here on Disney Countdown. Um, Hopefully we see you out at the park sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. This was awesome. So much fun. Awesome. Thanks, Megan. Thank you. That was awesome, Danny. I wish that I 
could have been a part of that conversation, but I'm glad that you represented us so well. She had so much great stuff to say, and you know we're going to continue to follow her on the Instagrams and the TikTokers and all the stuff. Um, but yeah, that was awesome. I, I hope that we like run into some of these people. I know you ran into uh, uh, Beasley at, at yeah. the parks the other day, so it's it's very cool. We're creating a little community, which is awesome. I um, think we need to get you and Magical Millennial together for some yes. sort of piece of content. I don't know what it is. If you listeners have an idea of what you want to see Eric and Megan, the magical millennial do, uh, let's make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I love it. All right, folks, we're going to get into the second half of our countdown this week, which is going to be our five through one of the best Disney cues, the best Disney line experiences that you can have at the parks. Um, just as a reminder, as we always do, my number 10 through six was I had Spaceship Earth at number 10. Oh, do we need to have our our, our countdown music? Sorry, Chris. We almost missed it. <laughs> there it is. Okay, now we can do the countdown. Oh, now I can breathe <laughs> all again. Right. Whew, I felt very like, ooh, I'm missing something. <laughs> I felt a little naked there. Um, all right, so my 10 through 6. Uh, I had Spaceship Earth at number 10, Pirates uh, in Disney World at number 9, Web Slingers at Disneyland number 8, the Tiki Room at both Disneyland and Disney World number seven and Winnie the Pooh uh, at Disney World number six. All right. For my number five, this is a good one. It's going to be Soren. A, I love that ride. I love Soren. And there, if you don't know, there's two versions. There's Soren Across America and Soren Over California. Both are amazing. Right. Um, but the reason that I love the Soren queue is this. A, I love anything that's like aviator aesthetic. I just like it. I like the kind of world war two kind of vibe of like the bomber jacket and the aviator glasses <laughs> and the khaki pants with a crease in them. I just love all of that. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I, it's very cool. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure this could, this could be a fake Peterson facts here, but <laughs> I think that one of the planes, you know, when you get into the actual building, you kind of go down that ramp, um, and there's all the different like planes on the sides. There's pictures of planes and then pictures of like Charles Lindbergh and Amelia Earhart and famous aviator Howard Hughes, you know, famous aviators of the past. Right. But in the planes, one of those planes, I'm pretty sure, is the plane that my grandfather, Richard Dick Danley, uh, was one of the test pilots for when oh. it was being created, which is very, very cool. And I love to sort of like show that to my kids every time we go by. Um, he was a uh, a naval aviator. He was in the Navy and was a, a fighter pilot, uh, but he was sort of right between the Korean War and uh, Vietnam. So he never was in active. Well, he was in active duty, but he wasn't in a war zone. Okay. But he, you know, he flew these test pilots. You know, he was a test pilot for these new jets, uh, and it was very cool. Si little side story here. I found out when I was like 19 years old that my grandfather apparently was very good friends with. John Glenn, who is, a, you know, the famous NASA astronaut, who's the first American yeah. man in space. They were apparently buddies in the Navy. And when John Glenn got asked to come to NASA to be a part of the original Apollo program, he asked my grandfather, he's like, hey, Dick, you should come with me. We're going to do this thing down in Florida and try to be or in Houston, try to be astronauts or go into space. <laughs> and my grandfather apparently was like, eh, I don't know, that sounds kind of dangerous, bud. And then and passed it up. I was like, Grandpa, you could have been in the original Apollo program. Oh, my gosh. But that all to be said, that's a little backstory of my sort of association with test pilots and those planes and stuff. So I love walking through that little ramp and seeing all those planes and getting to tell my kids that, you know, they're 
great grandfather flew stuff like that, which is really cool. And then the last part about Soren that I love is I love a great, um, what would we call this? Uh, like a pre-ride intro video. Oh, okay. I yeah. love when there's like a great video that's either entertaining or exciting or interesting that like gives you the the pre-show kind of experience before you get on the actual attraction. Yes. And uh, for Soren, you have um, Patrick Warburton, who was sort of famously played Putty on Seinfeld and was the voice of Kronk in Emperor's New Group. He's the guy that talks like this, <laughs> right? And he sort of plays this like, you know, airplane pilot who's like, all right, folks, before you board Soren, you're going to need to stow your things. It's just, it's so charming <laughs> and funny. And there's that guy who's like wearing the Mickey ears and he's like, sorry, sir, you're going to have to stow those. And he takes off his little Mickey ears and puts it yes. under his seat and he's kind of bald on top and he's very embarrassed. <laughs> and I, I just love that whole thing. So for me, number five is going to be uh, Soren. I love that line, that whole uh, experience in that queue. Number five, Soren is my choice. Dude. Such a such a great selection. Love love that ride. I haven't been on that in in a minute. I got to get on that again. I love it. Soaring world, soaring across, soaring California. I love it all. It's all it's all fantastic. Uh, so recapping my ten through six at number ten, I had Remy's Ratatouille Adventure from Epcot uh, down in Orlando at number nine, Expedition Everest from Animal Kingdom. Number eight, Jungle Cruise from Disneyland uh, Park here in California. Number seven, uh, also at Disneyland Park, Mickey's House. Oh, so good. Uh, number six uh, was Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout here at uh, DCA in Southern California. And number five, this one is I I can't I can't not put it on the list. It's not my favorite ride at Disneyland. It's not my favorite ride at the Disney parks. Honestly, it's not even my favorite franchise. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, sure. but I have got to give it up for the Rise of the Resistance queue. It is such an experience you know we chatted about this i think in part one of this countdown is that you know disney knew that the waiting in line experience um needed to be part of the story uh, and that's really where you start to set people up for the ride component of of the attraction is where they are waiting in line you start to lay the foundation for the story and i think rise of the resistance does it so beautifully that moment that you walk into that that transport and you get into the transport and now you're like, okay, we're being taken from this planet over here. And, and then all of a sudden you get sucked in, uh, by one of the, what the big, what are those ships called? See, I'm not here. The, um, battle, uh, 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 um, uh, what do they call them? An empire. Oh, crime. All the star Wars fans hate us right now. I know. What is it? Like a battle? It's not a battleship. Is it like a destroyer? No, like the big, big ones. Let's see the it's the Empire battleship. <laughs> I'm literally just Googling this right now. Uh, what are those called? They're called the Superstar Destroyers. Yes. Superstar Destroyers. Is that right? Every Star Wars fan is just losing it right now, screaming at us. And I, I know two of the people who are doing it because they're friends of mine. They're listening. Superstar Destroyer. Yeah. Yes. That's what it is. I am able to Google. Um Anyway, you get sucked in, and then the moment that you walk off that transport and you are on that flight deck, and all of the stormtroopers are standing there with like it looking like outer space is out there in the distance, and like it's so quiet in yeah. there, and the way that the cast members are so like locked in to character and they're like this way, come on, 
I said yeah. this way, stay in a line. You know, like they're just so committed to it. The costumes are fantastic. I swear it looks like certain stormtroopers like will move their heads from time to time or their arms yeah. will sort of go up and down. It just feels so intimidating when yeah. you get off. And then it doesn't end there. You walk down the hall and you get greeted by more surly, uh, you know, members of the, the flight team for this superstar destroyer. And then they put you into the jail cell and then you're in the jail cell. And then Kylo Ren comes in with the other dude. Who's like one of the other villain guys. And, and then when you get broken out of it by the resistance and then you get to go into the ride, like it just as, as someone who's like a huge fan of another like fantasy franchise and Harry Potter and remembering what it felt like to walk into wizarding world for the first time or going to Gringotts down in Orlando and just how awe inspiring that is. I can only imagine what it's like for like the super star Wars fans. People have grown up watching star Wars to walk into that space. It's just got to be the coolest thing ever. And then obviously the ride is incredible as well, but yeah. that cue man, just, um, it takes you on a ride uh, of its own and, and really sets you up for the experience you're, you're going to have. So that's why I've got Rise of the Resistance uh, as my number five. I love that. You know, it is so crazy to me, the transport part of that. I mean, you literally walk into a room. They probably lift it up like three inches, shake it a little bit, and then set it down. And then you walk out the other side. And it feels <laughs> like you've literally traveled through space from one planet to another. And all you yeah. did was walk through a room. But they do such a great job that it really feels like you took off. You've flew through space you got sucked into a new thing and you're, it's amazing it's so great and I also like great when you're in the outdoor portion i feel like there's always like this low hum or like the sound of like yeah you know like big work, like jets flying yeah. overhead and then you go to the indoor portion like inside the caverns and yeah it's just everything about it is it's just perfection that's what disney Love does it. so well great choice great choice um all right my number four is gonna be and i think i don't know if you've i don't think you've said this but it might be on your list so i won't say too much in case it is um and that's going to be space mountain mm. i love space mountains q it's an old school one it's definitely not one of the newer sort of like interactive lots of stuff to look at or think about or play with or anything like that it's nothing like that it's very 1980s just get you to the ride you know but <laughs> What I love about it is the aesthetic of it and the sounds of it and how it's really dark. And there's those long, just like kind of, I don't know how you would describe it. Cause like the long lines of metal that just kind of seemingly are like as far back as you can see and as far forward as you can see. Yes. And some of the, I don't know if there's, it's the one at Disney world or Disneyland. There's the moving walkway. That's sort of like an escalator, but it's not steps. It's just sort of a ramp that's going up. That's really cool. Um, and then they have this music, which I was looking it up, and it's uh, the song is uh, by George Wilkins, and it's mm. called We've Come So Far, Promising Tomorrows. And this was a song that was uh, has been a part of Space Mountain since the 1980s, and you can still hear variations of the iconic tune uh, in the attraction to this day. Wow. But there's just something about these, like, those long tunnels that feel very like you're in a spaceship. It gets you into this, like, future kind of vibe. It also gives you somehow with those long lines and the long tunnels, you like already are feeling the sort of like speed of what the ride is going to be. And I just remember being a little kid and Space Mountain being probably one of the first roller coasters that I went on as a child and being really scared, like being, being really nervous. Right. But somehow the like the way that they got you into the mindset to ride the ride in the right way 
it, it it's not that it made it easier, but I really felt like I was having an experience of doing something as opposed to just being on something that was moving really fast. Like yes. if you're in an outdoor, you know, six flags roller coaster, it's like, oh my gosh, there it is. It's going to go really fast, but there's less story involved. Right. And the, there's something about the space mountain queue that just really feels like, whoa, we're making our way. We're making our way towards something really special and really fast <laughs> and really futuristic. And you kind of hear that, you know, there's certain like port, like windows that look like you're kind of looking out of a spaceship yeah. and you can see the, the ride go by every once in a while and you hear people scream and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so cool and scary. And so I, I love it. Uh, my number four is going to be Space Mountain. You know what? One of the cooler features is, is that they call it, it's like Space Station 77. Yeah, yeah. And 77 was the year that Space Mountain opened, which I think is just like a fun little Easter egg. And I was I was actually watching. I'm so glad you brought this up because I was watching the uh, the series on Disney Plus the other night uh, behind the attraction. I don't know if you've yeah, watched yeah. that at all. I have. Yeah. But I was watching the Space Mountain one and the story of Space Mountain is really, really cool because originally they were going to build it first at Disneyland. And I think Walt had this big, grandiose idea for four separate tracks and like it would go outside the ride and they would come back into the ride and. And then they decided to open up Magic Kingdom. And so it didn't open at Disneyland first. It opened it at Magic Kingdom first yeah. um, in 75 and then in 77 out in California. And they they did two tracks in Orlando and then one here uh, in California. But then they sort of got that outdoor component when they opened the one in uh, Disneyland Paris. Um, have you seen that one? No. It's like the whole idea is like very Jules Verne where it's like a, a bullet that's being shot into the moon. So oh, the cool. start of the ride is a launch start. It's like you're being shot out of the barrel of a gun out in yeah. outer space. It's really, really, really cool. And I think when they were doing all those updates, they also updated the queue at Disneyland and added like a bunch of new like embellishments to that. When you walk into like the main boarding room and there's yeah. like that huge thing that like hangs over the yes. middle. They added like, yeah, yeah. Big, like canisters and pressurized chambers and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Really, really, really cool. Um, all right. So number four for me is going to be a ride that we have here in California, but I'm specifically going to pick the one that is down in Orlando. And I think they actually may have this in uh, Disneyland Paris, maybe at the Hollywood studios, uh, or is it Walt Disney pictures, whatever they call it there. Um, and that's going to be Toy Story Midway Mania. Um, I love, you know, the, like walking up to the front of it with like the huge sort of like big top look to it with like the like cardboardy cutout characters where it almost feels yeah. like the the whole story behind Toy Story Land is that you're like in Andy's backyard. Yeah. Um so in theory like this big top thing you're walking into would be like a piece of cardboard that like Andy had like fashioned into like the entrance into like a carnival sort of situation. Yeah. Um and it's fun cuz like when you're when you're in the outdoor portion of the queue there's like these you know, big blades of grass. So it's like you're, it's like you're basically walking through um, Andy's backyard and there's like random toys just sort of strewn about. Uh, and then when you get to the indoor portion of the ride, I love that like the walls are all built out of um, like building blocks, like different color, like oranges and reds and greens and yellows and blues. And then the ceiling is a monopoly board and a candy land board. Yeah. Uh, which is so cool. And then you've got like the Etch-A-Sketch, which is like a digital projection screen, which is where I think they give like instructions about the ride. Um, they have like the cards for Candyland are like a part of the flooring with like two blue squares or one red or whatever. It's just, it's so wonderfully done. You feel like you've just been immediately transported into a child's. Bed. Do they have the Mr. Potato Head um, like talking outside of it like they do at Disneyland? 
I think he's indoors um, at the one in uh, in Orlando. I know at, at ours out here in Disneyland, he's like everyone can sort of see him. And yeah, sometimes yeah. he works, sometimes he doesn't. But I'm pretty sure he's he's indoors. And, you know, speaking of uh, straw hats, he rocks that really cool straw yes, hat, like the carnival barker sort of vibe. But did you just, know quick yeah. little uh, Disney factoid here? Did you know that when they made Toy Story 4, uh, sadly, Don Rickles had passed. I think he actually passed while they were making it, so he didn't get to finish recording all of his stuff. Okay, uh, and so they were able to use either bits from his like comedy specials that he had done, or other jokes that they had written for like the previous movies that didn't get used. So they were able to piece together the rest of his performance in Whoa. Toy Story Four after he had sadly passed. Because there was so much content of him out, out in the you know the universe, uh, and they were able to finish uh, having him be a part of it because you know Don oh Rickles is just one of the greatest of all time, uh, and so it was really cool that they got to use him, even though he had passed. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, well, I love it. And then I think when you arrive in, like to board the ride, you actually end up in Andy's room. Is sort of where it all because I know there's like the the wall that's got like the blue sky with the white clouds, yeah, like yeah, very yeah. iconic Toy Story look. It's just, it's so fantastical. It's just I love Toy Story Land in general. Um, I just think it was so so wonderfully done. Um, and definitely looking forward to uh, getting back out there again. And so I got uh, number four, Midway Man. I love it, love it, love it, love it. That's a great ride. Um, okay. My number three, and it's shocking that it's this low, but it's okay. <laughs> it's going to be Peter Pan. Um, really? Wow. <laughs> Peter Pan in Disney world, not Disneyland. Okay. The, okay. Now, while I love the Disneyland one quick shout out to the Disneyland, Peter Pan queue, it's, you know, very basic. You're really just going back and forth, but I do like, once you get into the actual, like overhang, there is, you know, kind of the wood feel. There's that little um, lantern that's in that corner over to the right that lights up every, you know, minute and a half that you can see Tinkerbell in. But also, if you've never done this before, when you're going through the queue in Disneyland for Peter Pan, there's all these different um, things like pictured, like an umbrella and a teddy bear and a, a little dagger and all the like class and a hook, like all the stuff from Peter Pan is carved into the wood and you got to kind of find it. They're like on the ground and on the sides and on the roof. And it's kind of a fun little thing to do with your awesome. kids if you're looking for something to do at Disneyland. Now at Disney World, they recently, a couple of years ago, redid the queue for Peter Pan and it is flipping awesome. <laughs> it is so cool. Basically, you go um, into the dar the Darlings, yeah, the Darlings house, and you get to see these like classic scenes from the start of the movie before they go to Neverland. Mm -hmm. And so it's the exact same that kind of like purple and navy blue striped wallpaper. You can see the kids have like the bed, and they have like one of the sheets kind of tied up so it looks like a sail. And you can see there's a part where you go into their like backyard, and you see Nana the dog is kind of like by the brick. And it feels very like London at night and the sort of the street lights are on and you can see when you're in the house again, you see um, all the family portraits of like mother and father and all the kids. It's just so great. And then they have um, kind of a cool stuff where it's similar to what we were talking about with um, Winnie the Pooh, where it's one of those, I don't know what you call this technology, where you can move your hand. And on a screen is sort of mm. reacting to where you're moving your hand kind of stuff. Right. So they do some of that where you're like looking out the window at London and there's, you know, Tinkerbell sort of flies by every once in a while with a projection on the walls. It's just such a great, cool experience. And it's a newer thing. So all of it looks very fresh and new. And 
Um, and then obviously it's just one of my favorite rides ever. So uh, my number three selection is going to be Peter Pan at Disney World. I have not ridden it at Disney World. It's a great queue. I got to check it the out. The ride itself is essentially the same, but uh, the queue is way better. Very, very cool. See, we talk about this every episode. Got to get back out there, um, which I may be doing in May. Ooh. We'll have to talk more about that in a future episode. Actually, my buddy who I might sure. be going with, Kenny Rogers Jr., is texting me right now saying, hey, flights look pretty cheap. So, nice. you know, it's for work. That, that's the way I'm right it off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So number three for me is going to be one that I'll be interested to see if this ends up your one or two, because I feel like for so many people, this has got to be their number one. Has to be their number sure. one. It's going to be Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. I see a nod and a little smirk. Proving that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I won't say too much about uh, this attraction, but I just think from the outside all the way through the inside, everything about the design of this queue is absolute perfection. Like the design of the mansion itself, like it just looks so daunting. It is so beautiful. Like Do you prefer I, I, the Disney World or the Disneyland version? Because they're kind of different. I prefer Disneyland. Um yeah. I like Disneyland because you go in the front door. I feel like at Disney World, you sort of go like through the like underneath, like where the basement would be, because it sits up on that hill, Um, which is cool in and of itself. It's sort of like at Hogwarts when you, you know, enter through the the rock, you know, and then you sort of come up into the the Great Hall. Um, But I just think when you look, next time you're at Disneyland, or if you don't have any plans, you know, anytime soon, just go online and look up some some beautiful photos. The Disneyland website has some great photos of Haunted Mansion at night. it just, it's so beautifully done with the four columns out front and like the wrought iron sort of like floral uh, iron design that they've done like around all the balconies. Um, and then with the carriage out front that has like, <laughs> it looks yeah. like all the straps are there for the a horse. And, yeah. Yeah. It's a hearse and you can hear the horse neighing, but there's no horse there. Um, it's. Exactly. And then all of the headstones that are super fun to read, you know, they're very punny. So if you're into like dad jokes and puns, you got to read those when you're walking through the line and then you get inside and that elevator stretching room situation is just so brilliant with the portraits and how they reveal what's happening in the rest of the pictures. And I don't want to say too much because I don't know where you're going with your two and your one, but everything about it, it's just, it's so creative. The bus that follow you when you're walking by the pictures that change, um, you know, when like the lightning strikes and like the, like the boat crashes and um, it's just, it's so beautifully done. It's so eerie and the way that it's lit, it feel always feels like it's a little cool in there, like a little chillier than it should be. Um, and it just feels so authentic. It feels like you're walking through a haunted mansion. And, uh, and I think it captures the vibe of that area. That's sort of like new Orleans, Louisiana, um, down South vibe as well in the architecture. So I'm going to put it at number three on a mansion at Disneyland. I love it. Very strong choice. And I'm going to go put it at number two. So we'll continue the love <laughs> of haunted mansion here. Um, and yes, you're right. It is. Everything you said is totally true. Um, I actually, I don't know which one I like better. I kind there's something about the, um, Disney world one that I kind of like, 
I feel like every time I go on Haunted Mansion at Disney World, it's raining and they have sort of that canopy over a, a big part of their outside line, yeah. which always seems like helpful and it sets the mood seemingly. Um, but yes, I love the gravestones. I love all the wrought iron fences. It's so great. Um, and then when you get in the stretching room, it's just so great. It's so iconic. It's so, you know, the, the murals are so great. The voiceover is so great. When the lights go out and you see the body kind of like hanging above you is so great. <laughs> I love being one of those people who knows where the back door is going to be. And even though like you may walk in and there's like seemingly a better spot near the middle, I'm like, yes. no, no, go to where the door is. And then you, you know, <laughs> yeah. you got to get the, try to jump the line a little bit, you know? Um, so I love that whole aspect and know, and also seeing other guests who know that fact and so they're all like yeah this is where you want to be you don't want to be in the middle you want to be right here because this door is about to open and then we're right on the right i love like you said just the whole feeling is they have just ridden that line of being scary and eerie and ghostly without being scary for kids like as a kid you're kind of like oh this is scary but like i remember as a kid like when the lights would flash out and there would be that body hanging above that was legitimately pretty scary but other than that the rest of it feels like just the right amount of scary to feel like, Ooh, this is creepy, you know, but not yeah. like actually terrified. Um, and one last thing that I'll say about it, one of my favorite, favorite dad jokes and feel free to steal this. I, and I didn't come <laughs> up with it, but, but if you don't do this, it's a great dad joke. Anytime I ride either like Haunted Mansion or Little Mermaid or like any slow moving kind of ride, I love as it's sort of moving and it's just about to cross that last cast member as you're about to like really go into the ride. I love to look at them and go, does this go upside down? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and they'll always be like, it might. But yeah, I agree. Haunted Mansion, just so great. So iconic. Uh, and also, you know, interestingly enough, if you look at some of the older OG rides, the queue was not as important, seemingly. It was really more about just the attraction. And I feel like Haunted Mansion from the beginning really was like setting you up mentally to be in the right space to experience that kind of a ride. So my number two, uh, I agree with you, Danny, is going to be Haunted Mansion. So good. So, so good. I'm sure a lot of people are like, this is blasphemy. How do you put it at number three or number <laughs> two? Um, but number two for me, this ride... Um, I don't, I don't know if there are words to properly capture the experience you have walking through this land up to this attraction, through the queue for this attraction, all the way up to the ride itself. And that's going to be flight of passage at animal kingdom. Um, the avatar ride. Well, I don't know what that, Oh, the, I've never been on this ride. Oh my gosh, Eric. Cause the it's... only time that I went to uh, animal kingdom since it's been open was like right after it opened. And I'm not exaggerating here. It was six hour wait times oh my to get gosh. on the ride. And we were like, no, I'm not waiting six hours to ride one ride. Right. So I've not been on it. I mean, that's half your day right there. But let me tell yeah. you, the the queue is amazing. If you have not been to Animal Kingdom and you're a Disney fan, I actually was talking to somebody the other day who was like, yeah, we're planning a big like family Disney world trip. And I was like, oh, you're going to do all the parks? They're like, well, we're doing all of them for, except Animal Kingdom because it's just a zoo, right? And I was like, it is not just a zoo. It's like, in my opinion, one of the most perfectly designed, if not the most perfectly designed theme parks in the world. And what they have done with Flight of Passage, the the like engineering feat 
that they pulled off to make it look like these rock formations are floating in the sky, just like they are in the movie Avatar is just, it's incredible. And you got to tip your cap to the Imagineers and everyone who's on the architectural engineering side of Disney to come up with the creative way to make it so believable. It's amazing during the day. It's amazing at night, the way that uh, Pandora lights up at night. It's like they've splashed like black light paint like all over the floor and everything so like at night they have black lights so like the the ground glows the plants glow um and then when you get to the indoor portion of the queue it's it's incredible it's like you're walking through you know what is it naveen is that or the naveen or the um the people there but the, the yeah but they whatever that forest is there on Pandora, like the blues that they're able to pull out with the fiber optics and the purples and the pinks, it's just like, you feel like you're walking through this land. And then you go through this laboratory situation, which is like really cool. And they have like a full on like Naveen avatar, like that's like seven, eight feet tall, just laying like in a, in a, in a tube, um, like yeah. one of those, like, you know, incubator sort of things yeah, yeah. um or chambers it's it's incredible man it like it transports you it is the perfect setup for what that ride is and we will talk about the ride uh on on a later episode for sure but um that queue it's incredible um i can't say enough about it i've always waited an hour and a half or two hours and it's been the fastest two hours and then let me tip a cap to them real quick on their queue because the line is always long about halfway between the start of the queue outside and to the ride itself, there's a bathroom inside. So just know that if you're like, I got to get out of this line, I'm not going to make it. When you get to make that transition from like the caverns, the forest vibe to the lab vibes, there's a bathroom there. So just know they thought through this as Disney always does. And there's a water fountain there as well, which is just brilliant. So uh, number two for me, it's going to be Flight of Passage to Animal Kingdom. I love that. Great call. I, I still got to ride that. I'm excited to at some point uh, to do that. Um, all right, so we're to my uh, number one here, and that is going to be Smuggler's Run from Ooh. Star Wars uh, at Disneyland. Uh, here's why it's amazing. I I am a pretty big Star Wars fan. I'm not like a crazy Star Wars fan, but I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, and while I would definitely say that Rise of the Resistance is a way better ride, mm -hmm. I love there is nothing like the first time you walk into galaxy's edge and see the millennium Falcon is like there and it's like life size. And I mean, it cannot be overstated how impressive that is. And the, especially the first time you see it. And if you have any kind of connection to star Wars, it really makes your heart like almost skip a beat. It's so cool. Yeah. So then, so first of all, even before you get into the queue, you're just seeing the Millennium Falcon life-size steam coming out of it. It's seemingly like, you know, at a dock getting fueled up and like the lights are kind of on. It's occasionally just going, you know, it's so, so stinking cool. So then you get into the line and it just, they do such a great job of that Star Wars aesthetic that feels futuristic but at the same time, very dirty and lived in and gritty. And so no, it doesn't feel like Space Mountain, which feels very clean and robotic and like everything's, you know, very futuristic in a very clean way. Star Wars has that grittiness of sort of like found materials being put mm -hmm. together. And it's kind of in the future, but also doesn't feel completely in the future. Um, and they do such a great job. And you can just see all those things, all the little like cases and barrels and, you know, 
pieces of metal. Everything just looks so lived in and like it's truly been around for years and years and years. So I love that. And you're kind of working your way through the queue and you get to go through a part where you look down over the top of um, the Millennium Falcon and you can see all the cool little spots. And it's just so, so cool. Then you get into the little pre-show room where they have that guy with the kind of like dreadlocks and he's, uh, you know, an audio animatronic. And he's like, all right, I need you to bring some stuff from this place to another place. All right, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And so then you're like, all right, the ride is happening. This is great. But then one of the coolest parts is getting to what seemingly you're stepping onto the Millennium Falcon. And when you get to walk through that area, that has where the like the chessboard was from the original Star Wars movies that sort of like semicircle, you know, dining room table essentially that has right. the chessboard on it. And you can sit there and take a quick picture and you got just that sort of like arched, you know, inside the Millennium Falcon kind of vibe. It just is so cool. And it feels truly like you're living in the coolest playset that you could have imagined when you were eight years old. And I just love it. And then you get to like walk into the ride and you get to be assigned either a gunner or a pilot, just the whole thing. I just feel like they did such a great job of capturing what Star Wars really looks like. It looks like what would be on the set of the actual movie. It doesn't feel like it's been miniaturized at all. Everything feels big and huge and important and, and just like the movie. And so for me, number one is going to be smugglers run uh, at Disneyland. So good. I actually just walked through that full queue for the first time when Lynn and I went to the uh, the Sweethearts Night. Yeah. Because I'd always done single rider up until that point in time, and you skip all of that cool stuff, and all you just it, yeah. end up basically in that room where it has like the checkerboard uh, table. Yeah. I, I, I still have yet uh, to be a pilot on that ride someday. <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm putting it out into the universe. Uh, all right. Number one for me, this was my number one from the moment we said we were going to do this countdown, nothing, nothing can usurp this. It is, uh, it's the best it's Indiana Jones and temple of the forbidden eye. I think that they just crushed it with that line, uh, that cue from the moment you walk up to the beginning of the queue to hear the sound effects of like the birds from jungle crew sort of like carrying over to that outdoor area. Uh, I love that. Like, fenced in area where it's like sort of like the field lab with the old like 1920s 1930s like old radio playing the old tunes the big bands and it just sounds like so old and authentic Um, and then you get that view of the temple and it just is so beautifully designed the way that they've surrounded it with all of like the flora and fauna that just match exactly what you would expect if you were Indiana Jones walking into the middle of a jungle looking for the Temple of the Forbidden Eye, um, that's it. And you walk up that that old like rickety bridge to get up to the actual temple, and then you get inside, and the hieroglyphics uh, or the the various symbols that are on the walls as you're walking through the tablets that are like positioned and the idols and the caverns and the dripping sound as you're like walking through with the stalactites and the stalagmites. It's just it's perfect. And then you get to the like the the room where you you shake the bamboo pole and like the spike things start to close in on you. Uh, you get to that big open domed room where like there's a guy like down in some well who's like pulling out an old artifact. And if you pull the rope, he like drops the piece and it shatters. And he's like, oh, no, like it's just it's perfect. Um it is perfect. As an Indiana Jones fan, for as long as I can remember, I think they crushed it. I I wish they would bring back. um I don't know if you ever saw these, Eric, but when the ride first opened back in 
what was that like it had to be late 90s uh or 2000 um they gave out these little like uh decoder cards that would have like the symbols that are on the walls inside with the letter that it corresponds to so while you were waiting in line you could be trying to decode what the messages were on the walls uh inside the kit they might do it on the there's some app that is like for the disney cues i'm trying to think what it's called i might just be in the disney parks app okay um, but there's uh there are some there is like a gaming camera what it's called but if you most of the rides that uh, you go on, you'll see there's like a little sign that'll say you can experience more magic by going to this website. And then but it's like games to do while you're in the queue um, right. for each ride. But I, I bet they probably have that for Indiana Jones with the hieroglyphic stuff. Oh, my gosh. I feel like they have to. I wish I would have saved one of those cards from when I was a kid because it yeah. would just be so cool to like cruise through the line with that and be like what the heck is that uh but i love it it's one of my favorite rides i'm so glad that it's open again i just went on it uh, a couple days ago and i will say the updates that they did are really really fun um they added some stuff to sort of bridge some some dead zones in the ride to make it a sure. little bit more lively so there's less darkness and and more activity happening um it never disappoints and that queue is like i feel like it's everything you want to prepare you for uh, an adventure with Indiana Jones. And that's why it's my number one. I love it. I love it. Have you ever seen the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular in Disney world? I think I did when I was a kid, but I was like eight years old at the time. So like all my memories are super vague. You should watch it on YouTube. It is awesome. <laughs> it is so great. It is, it's like a 25 minute show. It is so good because it really gives you the feel of Indiana Jones. Um, but then also kind of the, cause it's at MGM or whatever, Hollywood studios, whatever they call it now. Um, so it has a very much like, this is how we make the movies kind of vibe. It's great. Super, super fun, but check it out on YouTube. If you haven't watched it, dude, breaking news. Cause you encouraged me and inspired me to go into the app to see if I could find the decoder card for Indiana yes. Jones. I'm in the app right now. And it says there's a standby wait for Big Thunder Mountain, which means it's reopened. Oh, yeah. I didn't see them announce that anywhere that when the reopening date was going to be. Well, there you go. Well, Sunday, baby. Breaking news. Breaking, breaking news. Disney news from inside the turnstiles this time. Thanks to producer Chris <laughs> for getting me the credentials. Uh, well, dude, I, I'm going to be riding it uh, on Friday. Or Friday. Oh, wow. Friday, this Sunday. ride in the wilderness. My favorite ride. I'm so it. excited. All right, folks. That's going to bring us to the end of this here episode of the <laughs> Disney Countdown Show. Uh, but we just want to say thank you so much for listening. Again, please uh, rate and review. Follow us on the socials. Tell your friends about us. We're trying to spread the word and get this thing out to as many ears uh, as we can possibly find. Uh, but a big thank you to Chris Sisley, as always. Thank you, sir. Big Chris. thank you to Danny Jordan. Thank you, sir. And uh, we are going to see you on the next one, but we like to close every episode by doing one thing and one thing only, and that is to say, D-I-S, see you real soon. soon. N-E-Y. Why? Why? Because, because we, we count, count down. down. Disney Countdown Show. <laughs> we'll see you on the next one, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. See ya.